It's Thursday, October 22nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Mr. Jason Moser. Good to see you, my friend. Good to see you. We've got, ah, it's, I said it before, it's my favorite time of year. And it, it comes is. four times a year. We got earnings we're, season heating up. We're so We lucky. got Ch- Chipotle. We got Tesla. We're going to uh, perform an autopsy on Quibi. Um, let's start with Tesla, though. Tesla reported a profit in the third quarter that was higher than Wall Street was expecting. And this is the fifth quarter in a row that Tesla has delivered a profit. Uh, stock up about 5% this morning. Um, it was one of those things where the light bulb went off above my head this morning, Jason. I was like, fifth quarter in a row, profits, earnings. Oh, wait, they have a P.E. ratio now. I wonder what it is. <laughs> and it turns out it's just shy of 1,100. Oh, it's, you know, I mean, I guess you know, the, the market is just pulling forward some very, some very uh, robust expectations. Let's just maybe leave it at that. You know, I, I, I don't have a dog in this, in this hunt, so to speak. Um, I don't own Tesla shares. I've not recommended it. I've, I'm not shorted. I just, I, I enjoy following this business, learning from it, and just, it, there's some entertainment value there for sure. Uh, the core business here is really so simple, right? I mean, they make cars and they sell them to people. Um, and yet, it's such a sideshow to the distractions and the drama with analysts who are just they're so dead set on like one position or the other. And I mean, just you, you go on Twitter and it's just this back and forth that never ends. And I mean, it, it's it's like it's honestly it's like DC. I mean, nobody's gonna budge, right? Um, but I mean, to your point, fifth consecutive quarter profitability. I mean, yeah, we we could sit there and argue about how they got to profitability, and and you know, I'll I'll note that um, regulatory credits I think are probably a big question that a lot of folks uh, will continue to harp on. How important are they? Um, I mean, I think in regard to Tesla's business, regulatory credits are very important. But I mean, that shouldn't be a surprise. That's how you incentivize moving an entire society over to a a new technology like this that, that we're so reliant on in transportation. And so um this year so far they've taken advantage of about one point two billion dollars in those credits. And that clearly affects profitability. That that's good for them, right? But but I, I don't hold that against them because they're just they're playing the hand that they were dealt. They're playing with the rules of the game more or less. Um, if you compare that to last year at this time, uh, they they claimed about four hundred and sixty million dollars uh, in, in in credits. So so clearly uh, a considerable amount more in credits this year than last. And and I'm sure that's that's something that we'll uh, continue to see them take advantage of to, to the extent they can. But I mean they produce just over 145,000 vehicles. They deliver Almost 140,000, um, and, and I think while Musk certainly loves to aim high, and I think he should, uh, their 500,000 deliveries for the year remains the target. Now that is a high goal; that's a lofty goal. They need about 180,000 uh, to go, right? They need about 180,000 this final quarter. Maybe they get there, maybe they don't. But I think the more time goes on, the more we're seeing the markets willing to give this. Give this business, you know, time to do its thing, and, and and that's not not every business out there can claim that luxury. But but you see companies like Amazon for the longest time, the market really gave Bezos, you know, the the, the leash to, to run with that business and build it. You, you see the same thing happening here. So I I'm for the business. I love what he's trying to do. I think it's funny to listen to just people go back and forth, you know, on, on the valuation and whatnot. But but here we are, and uh, and and this is clearly a business that's making a big impact in the world. 
Yeah, there are um, there are definitely uh, a couple of uh, people, uh, a couple of analysts I was watching on CNBC this morning who are bearish on Tesla, and they were getting kind of worked up. There, it, was, it was just one of those things where I, I, I felt uh, I, I felt a little bad for them. I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean. It, uh, it's 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 yeah. I mean, and like I said, I mean, I don't dive into that discussion because it's just it's it's just so unproductive. But I mean, the one I, so I'd say the one thing like if you look at where they are today in, in regard to the balance sheet, I mean, their their quarter end their cash and equivalents jumped from six billion to fourteen and a half billion. Now remember, they had a capital raise here recently. They brought up uh, they raised around five billion dollars. If I had one piece of advice for Elon Musk, and, and listen, of course I'm a dummy. Okay, I know that. I mean, he's not asking me for advice, but if I if I were to give him one piece of advice, you know, like we've talked before about Tom Gardner's um, philosophy on your holding period, right? However long you plan to hold a stock, just boom, automatically double that, right? Double that holding period, and, and you'll benefit from it. I, I feel like anytime he wants to raise money double it because it's it's just clear as day that any lever he wants to pull he's going to be able to raise that money without too much trouble and particularly where the stock is today i mean if you get to a point where you need to raise more capital and he probably will i mean he sees the energy business ultimately being as large as the vehicle business one day and that's going to require a lot of investment too um yeah anytime you're ready to raise some money just go ahead and double it i think that'd be a nice rule of thumb Third quarter of profits and revenue for Chipotle came in higher than expected. Uh, same store sales were north of eight percent, and Chipotle's digital sales tripled year over year. And despite all that, shares down more than five percent. What is going on here? Did Brian Nichols say something on the call? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I think there are a couple of things that that are probably coming into play here. Number one, I think you just selling probably a little bit on valuation, um, in that the stock is trading for over one hundred and twenty times full year earnings estimates. Right? I mean, this is still a burrito company, basically at the end of the day. So, I, you know, one hundred twenty times plus that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty expensive burrito, so to speak. So, I. I think there's probably a little bit of selling on on the valuation side of it, but there's also some concern there, um, in fair concern I think in the delivery, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But I, I do think it's just amazing. I was I was thinking about this uh, yesterday. You know the the Chipotle store uh, story. It's been just—it's amazing to watch here over over the over the last several years because they went from a restaurant that really couldn't stop from getting people sick to to now being like one of the best operators. In, in the entire space during a pandemic where a lot of people are getting sick. So I it just, it's hats off to Brian Nickel, the CEO. I think he's just done such a good job with his business since he took over. And it, it goes to show you the value in hiring uh, folks with a lot of industry expertise like he, like he has um, coming over from Taco Bell. So I, I just, for what it's worth, I think they made a great call on the CEO side. Um, but when you start looking at the numbers, I mean, it really does feel like Chipotle's is turning into Chipotle's turning into dominoes. It's 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 really interesting to see. They have over 17 million loyalty program members now versus just seven million a year ago. I mean, and that's all thanks really to a very strong app. And if you looked on the call as I did. The word delivery was mentioned 45 times on yesterday's earnings call. A year ago, it was mentioned six times. And, and I think that is potentially a source of some market concern as well, because when you look at delivery, um, the digital sales numbers were really impressive. They grew over 200%. They represented close to 50% of sales. About half of digital was delivery. And, and the concern there, and, and they, they note this, right? And so I, I want to read this exactly as they note it. But 
here, here's the crux of it. They say the amount that we remit to our delivery partner for sales through our app and website is higher than what we collect from customers and is included in other operating costs. So, delivery is something that is, yeah, it's driving the top line maybe a little bit, but it's also something that's hampering profitability. And, and they're going to have to figure out a way to square that at some point. But for now, I mean, they're doing a really good job um, in, in the face of what is a very difficult restaurant space, utilizing that delivery lever, really growing um, that that part of the business. I mean, I, I don't hold that against them. I understand maybe a little bit of the, of the concern in the near term, but I, I think that when you look at all of these numbers put together, you still have to be very bullish on this company's uh, future. We've talked before about the opportunity they have in terms of uh, expansion to to grow their footprint. Yeah. Um, Gary Kelly, the CEO of Southwest Airlines, uh, was talking this morning about corporate travel and how he thinks that's going to take ten years, ten years for corporate travel to fully recover for the airline industry. Um, David Chang, the restaurateur and chef, was was tweeting this morning um, about how the restaurant industry is tied to corporate business. And, you know, put, putting those two together, and, and in particular David Chang's comments, it really does seem like a longer opportunity for that type of investment for Chipotle to grow its footprint. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, I think they've done a very good job of, of not trying to expand too quickly. That can be one of the dangers of franchising is that it gives you the opportunity to grow really quickly. But sometimes that can be a little bit of a uh, of an anchor on you if if the uh, you know times are a little bit tougher. And so they opened forty four new restaurants during the quarter, or closed only three. They have. 2,700, just over 2,700 uh, stores today, and most of them are all open, right? Uh, since since sales really hit their low in in March, they've been able to retain, they said, 80 to 85 percent of the digital sales gains while recovering about 50 to 55 percent of their in-store sales. So again, I, I think that you know when when you see how they're slowly and methodically growing that footprint, and then they're also making sure that they um, Utilize that physical store footprint for more than just the in-store dining experience, or even picking up for that matter. Um, again, I go back to, to Domino's, and really one of the one of the things that is, is Domino's has really done so well through the years is utilizing that physical footprint to to you know essentially offer two different businesses, right? It's a pickup and it's a delivery, and and I think that Chipotle is really starting um, to, to exploit that as well. And, and if you do it right, if you do it well. Um, it, it can be really, really valuable over over many years. And, and Domino's investors, you know what I'm talking about, right? If you, if you held on that stock for the last ten years plus, you are just loving life. Um, now, I'm not saying Chipotle will be Domino's, right? It's it's pizza versus burritos, and probably a little bit of a different market opportunity there. Um, but I think that Chipotle is going to continue to be able to focus on the core Mexican business. Mexican food business for for some time to come, um, and at 2,700 stores today, you know they're going to keep on opening up. You know, 100 new stores a year here and there, and, and for the foreseeable future. And, and and so for investors, you have you have to love that because now we're going to see two two different really drivers of sales from from not only the store itself but also the delivery model that that they'll they'll perfect that they'll get it down and, and it'll become something that's a bit more profitable and meaningful to the bottom line. Uh, it's it's just going to take a little time. Six months after its launch in April, Quibi, the short video streaming service, is being shut down 
due to a complete lack of interest. The company was started all the way back in August of 2018 by Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg Whitman. They raised $1.75 billion and then proceeded to light that money on fire. Where, where do you want to begin with this? Uh, because well, one, one, one thought I had, and we were chatting a little bit about this yesterday, is that uh, <clears throat> capitalism works. Like, among other things, this is an example of capitalism working. They yeah. built this thing. They spent a lot of money to do it. They put it out there. And everyone collectively <clears throat> said no. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. This is a great example of capitalism working. Um, I, and there are a lot of different ways to go with this. And I, and I, you know, I don't want to make light of the fact that people are losing their jobs from this, though I, I will say that even even for the most glass half full person jumping on board with this with this um you know entity you had to probably feel like the chances were were chances of success were going to be lower than 50% i i would i would have assumed but i mean it seemed like it was a little bit a little bit obvious to all of us in, in the analyst community but i i it was amazing to me like there was i read in one of the articles that during a video call uh with with employees Katzenberg actually suggested that staffers listen to the song get back up again from from the trolls film to buoy their spirits i mean it's like he's still talking his own book even though he's getting ready to lay a bunch of people off is what it sounded like but it was just it was very odd like i don't know i just i feel like it, it, it just didn't seem to me to, to be as empathetic as probably it could have been but um i mean we talked about this a few shows ago right a few weeks back where it just i don't, I don't think anyone including jeffrey katzenberg really knew what quibi was supposed to be i mean is it social is it streaming is it social streaming i mean there were already all sorts of competitors out there in that space to some extent and so you know you you sometimes when in investing like we say sometimes in investing you just got to be able to call call the mistake admit it move on um as as opposed to just keeping on burning money and and, and it sounds like in this case i mean they they burned through their capital and that was basically that and i think the writing is on the wall um it sounded like a lot of hollywood was doubtful to begin with, interestingly enough, they didn't have any problem selling content. They were like, "Hey, sure, we'll sell it to you, but we don't think you're going to succeed." Um, so it, it's listen when you jump into a crowded space like this, and, and video streaming is a crowded space. Obviously, you need to differentiate yourself, right? You need to innovate, do something different, and and I, it just didn't seem like they did that like at all. And you know, speaking of Seinfeld, it reminded me of that reservations episode of Seinfeld. It all comes back to Seinfeld, Chris. But it's like you know how to, you say you know how to like get in there and differentiate or, or innovate, but but you don't actually know how to do it, right? Saying it doesn't mean that you're doing it. And and it didn't feel like they really had come to that realization until it was just way too late. So one of the thoughts I've had about all this is. Um, uh, I, I feel like we need to come up with a new word to replace the word unicorn as it is used <laughs> in the world of investing. And for those unfamiliar, uh, a unicorn is a private company that um, reaches a private market valuation of a billion dollars. And uh, I, I was thinking about something Emily Flippin said on this show a few weeks back where she, was, she made the comment like, the world is only getting bigger. We're yeah. only going to have more companies with trillion-dollar market caps in the future, not fewer. 
And so as things continue to get better, I think, I think we need to come up with a different, because, you know, that was part of it. It's like, oh, they, look at this company. They've raised nearly $2 billion. They're, you know, what would this be worth in the open market? It's like, well, it turns out zero. Um, so, I, I, yeah. I look at, yeah, I look at some of these capital raises with some of these businesses, and it's astounding the, the money that some of these businesses raise. And it's just, it, it's, it, I, it, it's just astounding. I mean, it, like it's it's breathtaking. Like you said, it, I mean, look at Robinhood for example, with all of the trouble and issues that they continue to have. Like, I, I don't know why anybody who's getting started investing today, why would you use Robinhood? Because every other platform can basically match what they're doing to, to, for the most part, and and it's going to be a more robust and frankly trustworthy platform. And yet, this business continues to raise billions and billions of dollars, and it's garnered some like you know ten billion plus market valuation now, which to me, seems really absurd, but uh, it it just goes to show, man. There are some very deep pockets when it comes to when it comes to uh, you know these 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 VC interests and, and, and uh, you know investors who aren't necessarily participating in the public markets. And um, I, I think the thing is, in most cases, it's really all about. It's all about hitting a couple of really, uh, you know, it's about hitting a couple of home runs as opposed to trying to get like 60% of your picks right. I think most people know that they're not going to be getting 60% of those picks right. It's really just about finding a, a couple of grand slams that can make a big impact. Yeah. I mean, a unicorn is an incredibly rare creature, and private market valuations of a billion dollars are becoming increasingly less rare. I'll, I'll tell you what is really a unicorn is something like Quibi, something that from yeah. day one, we all sort of looked at and we're like, I don't think that's going to work. And then every step along the <laughs> yeah. way, like, yeah, no, it's still not working. Yeah. yeah, the launch isn't going well. They're burning, like, oh my, oh my God, they're they're exploring strategic alternatives. Up, oh, they're dead. It's like every yeah. like I can't think of another time when you know there was a business like you know maybe Pets.com early maybe. like back in the day, but <laughs> it feels like. You know, there there are always going to be those examples, and I mean, it's 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 that's just it's so fun. That's why this job is so fun because we get to see this stuff every day. I mean, the market at the end of the day, we said it, it's just, it's just like a really big dis disagreement, right? And I mean, it, both parties think they're right for whatever reasons, and um, it, you have to figure out a way to reconcile that and choose a side. <laughs> I think we chose ours on this one very early on. <laughs> If only we had a chance to short it. All right. <laughs> yeah. We'll wrap up there. Jason, always great talking to you. Thanks for being here. Yep. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. Mm -hmm.